Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. Troy Dooley here, the host of The Real or a Beachside CEO. You can hear us on the Home Business Radio Network. I'm excited about what we're doing over there on the network. We are, uh, it's growing. We're almost at 100,000 listeners a month. Uh, some of the greatest people that I have ever been a part of are part of the network, and it is going strong. Uh, we will be looking, I think, in uh, early 2013 on launching Christian Business. It's going to be uh, another network focused on all of uh, what we would say a, a Christian business principle. It's going to be pretty rocking. It's a sister network, and uh, there will be some new types of training coaches, mentors, talk show hosts, if you will, over there. But yesterday, we launched a brand new series <clears throat> called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Uh, first connected uh, with Simon when I was actually over on TED Talks uh, listening to him. One of my clients, actually two of my clients, uh, had started following what he was doing. I uh, had gone up and, and talked with Ocean Avenue, and as they were launching uh, we watched this video, and then I'd come home, and a little, about a week later, Corey Citron and I from over at Yoli were sitting down having some discussions, and he said, Troy, have you seen the video? I said, dude, I'm blown away with it. And Yoli had started implementing these strategies, how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. Now, I found this second chapter a little bit unique coming off of the debates uh, from last night. Simon titled this, Carrots and Sticks, Manipulation versus Inspiration. And I thought, man, that's pretty rocking right there. He starts out, he said, there's barely a product or a service on the market today that customers can't buy from someone else for about the same price, about the same quality, and about the same level of service, really with the same types of features. And if you truly are a first mover, and have that first mover's advantage, it's probably lost within a matter of months. So if you don't offer something truly novel, someone will come up with something similar and maybe even better. And as he started that, as I, as I studied that paragraph and I was watching the debate last night, several things went through my mind. Do you, do you vote for the black man or the white man? Do you vote for the rich man or the poor man? Do you vote for the incumbent or the challenger? Do you vote for the Republican or the Democrat, the left wing or the right wing? And each side seems to use inspiration and manipulation. So I started studying this. I started looking at politics. I looked at business. I looked at the church. started looking at everything and realized that this chapter has some pretty solid stuff. Simon says, if most companies don't really know why their customers are their customers or why their employees are their employees, then how do they know how to attract more employees and encourage loyalty among those they already have? See, the reality is this. Most businesses today are making decisions based on a set of incomplete or worse, completely flawed assumptions about what's driving their business. That's why it was so important as I studied two of my clients, one a brand new startup, one two years old, and how they were deciding to take these strategies, these principles that Simon's teaching, and put them into practice in their own organizations. I thought, man, that's pretty wild. 
then Simon tapped into something that I had studied and learned years ago from Tony Robbins. He said there's only two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it or you can inspire it. When I mention manipulation, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily something that people don't see. Matter of fact, it's very common and fairly benign tactic. It's something that people do and they don't even realize it. Parents start when they're kids. Wives do it to their husbands. Husbands try to do it to their wives. It's interesting to see how this works. I thought, man, Simon's really hit on this. See, Tony Robbins called it running away from fear or running towards pleasure. It's interesting. When we're young, manipulation starts with, I'll be your friend if. It's interesting how that works. I'll marry you if. I'll work for you if. I'll buy that from you if. I'll go to bed with you if. There's always that manipulation that's there. It's effective negotiation tactic. It's been employed for generations, maybe since the dawn of time. If children want to obtain something from a peer, they use manipulation. It's interesting. Sometimes we look at them and we call them bullies, but the majority of the time the manipulation is so under the current. It's so common we don't even see it. So by the time we become adults, we don't even realize that manipulation is running rampant. That's the interesting thing about this. And that's what I want to focus on for a minute. Do you want to do you want to create a temporary lifestyle? Or do you want to create life change? See something that I have worked on and worked on and worked on is never to use manipulation, but always to use inspiration. I believe it's more important that I build trust with people than build respect with people. I believe when people can trust you, loyalty runs to the core. And there's no telling where you can go. Sadly, I got news this week that a friend of mine was separated from his wife and had been for a little over a year. A couple that has several children seem to be totally in love with each other. And yet now they're separated. And as I studied that and I wondered about it, I I started to wonder how many marriages in life, how many partnerships in business are formed on manipulation versus inspiration. See, I ponder that. Simon says, typical manipulations include Dropping the price, running a promotion, using fear of loss, peer pressure, an aspirational message, and promising innovation to influence behavior. Now, this could be a purchase. It could be a vote. It could be support. It could be anything in any relationship out there. So let's break these down and look at them. Let's look at them from a business standpoint first. Price. How many companies do you know lower their price. Now, the, now, I think most companies are reluctant to do this, but they all do it except Apple. You never see Apple really lower its price. Periodically, when it's bringing out a new model, it'll lower a price on an old model. 
just to move the volume, move the quantity, but they don't lower the price on the new one. And we see people stand in line to buy a new product, and it sells out in just a matter of minutes. Sometimes, sometimes it'll take hours, but most of the time it's less than an hour. That's interesting. This this is so effective in marketing that you see it everywhere. Sometimes it can become overwhelming. Matter of fact, there are men and women that will look for the best deal. They will drive 20 or 30 miles out of their way if they see the price has dropped on something, if they can get a coupon for it. It's highly effective manipulation. But it comes with a great cost. Usually that cost is to the company. Because when you do for two for one, I've got a network marketing company right now doing a two for one sale. And I just scratch my head and say, how in the world can you do a two for one and then expect anybody to buy it for retail price or, or what you your regular price? doesn't happen. If we were looking at drugs, we'd call these people junkies. They just look for the best price. I personally have never wanted somebody in my organization that is joining based on price. I think it's ridiculous. There's no doubt that dropping the price will work. I've got a company out of Texas. They're still in business. They're not as big as they used to be. And they used to, yearly, they would drop the cost of joining their business to free just to get a boatload of people to join and in marketing, people will say free is one of the most powerful words, but you get what you pay for. See, price always costs something. The question is, how much are you willing to pay for the money you make? The second one is promotions. Now, where we see the biggest promotions is not on Black Friday or you know Black Monday or any of that. It's, it's in the automobile industry. Matter of fact, it put GM out of business. They went bankrupt, had to get a government bailout. And the reason being is, all through the 90s, foreign cars, Toyota especially, dominated the U.S. market. By 2007, Toyota's share had climbed to 16%. That was, only, that was up from 17% in 1990. During that same period of time, GM saw its market share drop from 35% in 1990 to 23%, almost 24% in 2007. But here's the kicker. Remember, these are promotions. Since the 90s, GM had led in their promotions program. They had cash back incentives between 500 and 7,000. By 2007, they were losing $729 per vehicle. That was due in large part by these incentives that they had going on. People become accustomed to manipulation. Whether we call them incentives, entitlements, promotions, you know, each industry has their own names, but it's the same thing. Oh, wow, if I get that, I can do the rebate thing. You know how hard it is to get rebates? That's a manipulative industry all in itself. Simon writes this, The manipulative nature of the promotions is so well established in retail that the industry has even named it one of its principles. They call it breakage. That's crazy. 
But yet that's the way we buy. That's human nature. Let's look at the third one, fear. If someone wants to hold up a bank with a banana in his pocket, he would be charged with armed robbery. Clearly no victim was in any danger of being shot, but the belief that the robber had a real gun causes the law to kick in. Somebody feared for their life, and for good reason. See, the fear is the strongest manipulator. It's a motive that causes people to do crazy things. Listen to this. Simon wrote this. He said, no one ever got fired for hiring IBM, goes the old adage, describing a behavior completely born out of fear. An employee in the procurement department tasked with finding the best suppliers for the company turned down a better product at a better price simply because it was from a smaller company or lesser-known brand. Fear, real or perceived, that his job would be on the line if something went wrong was enough to make him ignore the expressed purpose of his job, even do something that would not be in the company's best interest, went to a higher-priced competitor. Because won a brand name. It's interesting. Most people don't know that those brand name companies, the same companies that make those products, also make private label products. But fear of the unknown causes people to do stuff. It's interesting. See, when fear is employed, facts are incidental. Deeply seated in our biological drive to survive is that emotion that cannot be quickly wiped away with facts and figures. 95% of everything we fear never takes place, but yet we fear it. I, I remember just a few weeks ago when I decided that I wanted to build a new organization with my wife in Ocean Avenue. Fear run rampant. We, we had long talks. Hey, what if it doesn't work? Oh my gosh, what if all of our, our supporters and clients quit us? What if nobody joins? We could have let fear run rampant. Or we could follow what we believe in our heart is the right move for our family. Same thing happens with terrorism. People freak out when I write a blog post and put the word terrorist in it. It's hilarious. But the reason it is is not because of statistical probability that one could be hurt by a terrorist, but it's the fear of what can happen if... Terrorism cripples the population. Fear is a powerful manipulator. And it's used in a variety of ways. We see it on TV all the time. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs, and they show a cracked egg. It's crazy, isn't it? But that's exactly what happens. It's the craziest doggone thing I've ever seen, but fear. Don't have sex. You could die of AIDS. It goes a lot further than that. I mean, that's a good start. But it's fear. Matter of fact, it's interesting. If you want to go down this road for a minute with me, in the 1980s when, when I was a teenager growing up, every horror movie that came out, and I don't know if there's still this way today, uh, but back then they were the, the they were the way that I think Hollywood and parents got together and tried to teach kids not to have sex because every sex scene in a horror movie the people die. Now where they have time to have sex when a freaking you know Eddie Krueger's coming after them or Jason, 
I don't know, but it's it's humorous to me to see how fear is used as a great manipulator. It's interesting. Then we get to aspirations. Not inspiration, but aspirations. Mark Twain said, quitting smoking is the easiest thing I've ever done. I've done it a hundred times. How many of us have felt like that in our life? Losing weight is wonderful. I've lost 500 pounds this year and gained it all back three times. I mean, we go through this all the time. See, if fear motivates us to move away from something horrible, that aspirational message tempt us towards something desirable. Matter of fact, you often see this in the six steps to a happier life, or in six short weeks you can be rich beyond your wildest belief. It's amazing. The best ones, those late-night infomercials with machinery that we've never even realized how to put together, let alone use, and they say, use this on your abs, and in just three short weeks you'll drop six dress sizes. The thing is, people that are already living the life that they desire are not inspired by these aspirational messages. It's also what's wrong within the network marketing arena because we try to create all these catchy hype phrases and then when somebody doesn't have the results that they feel like they were promised, they will quit. Bad-mouthing. And you want to know what we do to cover it up? We say, well, those people are just weak. They didn't work hard enough. That's easier said than done. See, an aspirational message can spur behavior, but for most it will not. See, an aspirational message are not only effective in the consumer market, they also work well in a business-to-business. See, you'll hear people, a salesman come and say, you know, 70% of your competitors are using our product. Okay, that's great, but that 70% may be just stupid as all get out because the product sucks. Why would I want to follow the sheep over the cliff? See, what we need to do is we need to think about our why. See, if we know what our why is, if we're driving for our why, then none of this matters. None of it works. But it's the way the world has been created, if you will, ever since, I guess, sin entered the world. Businesses look for a short-term response to long-term desires, and it doesn't work that way. And then comes peer pressure. Four out of five dentists prefer Trident. Doesn't mean it's the best. See, there's all kinds of forms of peer pressure. When anytime you see something on TV where it says the majority of people do this, that's peer pressure. Anytime you see on TV where they say, your favorite celebrity uses this and you buy it, that's peer pressure. NASCAR is the greatest at peer pressure. Every driver has a sponsor, and every sponsor knows those people love their driver so much that they will go and buy their product. It's not just impressionable youth. How come you think all those ladies' brands use sexy People, not just young girls, but older women. If they want to market a line of clothes to baby boomers or 
or to a grandma, then they're going to bring on somebody that looks good, sexy grandma, and she's going to be on there. Just the way it is. And then comes the <coughs> novelty. What some people mistake is innovation. Now, if we look at innovation, <clears throat> Motorola in 2004 brought out the Razor, and it rocked. I mean, everybody wanted to buy it. It was the greatest phone out there. People were rocking it out, but it didn't last very long. iPhones came along. iPhones was really novel. Actually, it was innovative. It wasn't even novel. Here's what happened. The major cell phone carriers would go to the telephone equipment manufacturers and say, here's what we want your phone to do. So that's what they would do. They would jump on it, and they would make it, and the first one that make it would sign with that company, and off they'd go. Here's the interesting thing. When Apple brought out the iPhone, they went to the carriers and said, we're going to tell you what the phone's going to do, and you need to be able to handle it. And only AT&T wanted to go along with the ride. Today, the iPhone sells, there's more iPhones than any other phone on the market. It's interesting. We talked a little bit yesterday about Colgate toothpaste. When I was growing up, it was real easy to decide you had two kinds. Today, you have 32 brands, not counting the four brands for kids. I took some time one day at Walmart to look at the back of it, and they all have the same ingredients for the most part. It's all in the marketing. It's kind of like dog food. All those pretty bags of dog food, and you never take your dog into the store to even look at them. You just decide what you're going to buy. The prettier the bag, the more you want to buy it. It's interesting. It's it's the novelty of it. It's crazy, isn't it? It's interesting. All these come down to the price that we're willing to pay for the money that we make. It's interesting because Simon says, I cannot dispute that manipulation works. Every one of them can indeed help influence behavior, and every one of them can help a company become quite successful. But there are trade-offs. Not a single form of manipulation breeds loyalty. Loyalty is what it's about. Simon goes on, he says, Beyond the business world, manipulations are the norm in politics today as well. Just as manipulations can drive a sale but not create loyalty, so they can help a candidate get elected, but they don't create the foundation of leadership. I'll even take it further than that. Within the conservative Christian world, something I know a little bit about, manipulation runs rampant. We go to the youth group, we go into church, and you know what we hear? Sex is evil, sex is not fun. Don't drink. You won't like it. Don't listen to rock and roll. Don't look at girls that swoosh their booties. All this will send you to hell. And give me your money, and I'll lay hands on you, and you will be blessed. And yet I don't see any of that in the Bible. Hellfire and brimstone. People stand on the street corners. I'm not knocking their heart. I'm not saying that they aren't right. I'm saying they use manipulation. John 3.17 said, Jesus didn't come to this world to condemn it, but to save it. 
I find it interesting that no matter where you look in life, <clears throat> people want to manipulate. And it's because manipulative tactics work. TV evangelists learned it in the 80s and became multimillionaires. Business owners learned it, became multimillionaires. Politicians learn it and become multimillionaires. But I believe that all manipulations does is lead to transactions, not loyalty. I believe if you want to breed loyalty in your marriage, in your business partnerships, in your network marketing organizations with your customers, then it goes beyond. You've got to know the why. You've got to be able to inspire people. See, that's what it's all about. We can easily create transactions. All i got to do is say I'm doing a pre-launch. I want to get everybody placed in the organization. Let's get rolling. And I guarantee you we will build an organization like crazy. It'll be a short-term story that everybody's buzzing about on the Internet. Oh, I mean, I can do this easy. It's no big deal. But if you want to breed loyalty, you've got to start inspiring the heart. You've got to create something, a shared vision that people have, and people say, we want to be part of this movement. We want to do something. See, that's what it's about right there. Simon writes this. He says, in any circumstance in which a person or organization wants more than a single transaction, however, if there is hope for a loyal, lasting relationship, manipulations do not help. You cannot manipulate people. I had somebody say, Troy, you won't succeed going out there and building it. You don't have the guts. Here's, here's the deal. I breed loyalty based on what other people need and want, not what I want. I don't pressure people into joining my organization. That's why every organization I've ever built had very little zeros in it. See, I learned a long time ago, manipulation costs money. In some cases, it costs lots of money. In the 1980s, I was one of the greatest manipulators there was. I ran a bail bond company. It was easy to manipulate people. You had control, you had power, and I lost it all. I understand. One company that breeds loyalty is Southwest Airlines. After September 11, there were customers who sent checks to Southwest Airlines to show their support. One note that accompanied a check with $1,000 said, You've been so good to me over the years. In these hard times, I want to thank you for helping me out. Isn't that crazy? That's loyalty. They had a sense of partnership. They were in it together. And that's what we've got to do. See, just because something works doesn't make it right. And you've got to be able to go out there. And you've got to be able to build something that's going to last. Not on manipulation, but on loyalty. See, in today's world, sadly, the reality is Manipulation is the norm. Going back to what I talked about at the top of the hour, the debate. We, the people, were manipulated last night in those debates. On both sides, to be quite honest. We still don't know any more or any less than we did before the debates. 
We settle on the president. We decide to vote for him. He says he's going to make change. But if we listen between the lines, it's really Congress that ends up passing the bills. So we better start looking at Congress and decide do we have the right people in there. The president is a phenomenal leader, and I respect the office of the president. But let's get out of the manipulation phases in business, politics, and religion. And let's start looking at the golden circle. Tomorrow, the golden circle, you're going to find out the why, the who, the what. It's going to be a fun, fun time. Trust me. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging out here at the Beachside CEO. My name is Troy Dooley. I'm the host. You've been listening around the globe on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive-powered radio.